Welcome to another episode of 699 per pound, where we usually talk about careers, but we have shifted our focus to the very real impact of COVID-19 on Asians and Asian Americans in this country and around the world. So we are going to bring you perspective of AZNs and different occasions and professions, places to give you a very personal look at how this virus became more than a symptom of the body. You know what I'm but uh, thank you to all the fans out there, listeners that continue to support us. Please subscribe to follow our future COVID-19 related episodes. Make sure you let your Zoom call know about $6.99 per pound. You know what I'm saying? But um, oh yeah, you could also support us by buying me and Jojo a $3 coffee at coffee.com slash $6.99 per pound. But you can also still um, set up a monthly donation at anchor.fm slash $6.99 per pound slash support. Uh, so with that said, um, Jojo, who's usually accompanies me, uh, who usually accompanies me for a lot of the episodes, she's unavailable today. Uh, much love to her. She's well. She's not infected by COVID by any means. You know what I'm saying? Like she's good. Um, don't spread rumors out there. All right. But with that said, uh, this episode, we're going to be talking with Ms. Medicine Bondock. She's a biomedical engineer. And um, she's also a chapter leader of the E-Nable DMV chapter. E-Nable, or E, E spelled with the capital E, dash Nable, is, uh, is a global community of volunteers who provide, you know, 3D printed prosthetics to those in need, but has turned their focus to printing face shields for healthcare workers right now because of everything that's been happening. So with that said, you know, please welcome Madison to 699 per pound podcast. Bong, bong, bong going on Madison <laughs> thank you for the wonderful introduction mm. things are going well <laughs> word, word. so where are you right now at the moment so right now I'm in Maryland I live in Gaithersburg Maryland which is about 25 minutes away from Washington DC mm, okay shout out to Maryland shout out to the whole DMV situation you know what I'm saying shout out to Rockville over there you know what I'm saying um, but uh so tell, tell me a little bit about um what's happening over there like so you're stationed over there um you know your your job description is that you're a biomedical engineer consultant how how big is this particular role and is it like are you part of a a, like a a giant team of um, medical engineers like yourself or is it like a small compact movement Mm -hmm. right so so how this is breaking down um we're all in one building so we have the army navy and then the air force so Mm. i work with the biomedical engineers in the navy and we're actually just a small group of maybe eight members including myself and so yeah we we're the ones that focus on making sure you know all the medical equipment requests for the navy hospitals and clinics are um fulfilled Got you. So as, as a clinical engineer, what, what, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Like how, like, mm-hmm. okay, so you fix these machines yourself or like you, um, you meet vendors that create these machines and these contractors mm-hmm. and you just kind of like sign off if something is solid or not. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Cause I also had to learn about this going into the job. I had no idea what does clinical engineer for the Navy for the government means. And, um, unlike the typical engineer jobs where they're more, you know, hands-on, you know, building or fixing, we're more on the contracting side and consulting. So, you know, my day job is I kind of correspond with the, the hospital personnel as well as vendors that sell the medical equipment. Um, and I kind of work together with our contracting shop in the, um, Navy division to, you know, set up contracts um and to procure you know mri scanners ct scanners you know all whatever equipment you know that is the need for the specific hospital and clinic so it's a lot of um, email corresponding Mm. um sometimes there's vendor sites and site visits where we go to the hospital just to you know check you know what 
they have in their inventory or what they need. Um, and we're also kind of the middleman between the hospital and the vendors, you know, just making sure. So it's a lot of like, so it's, it's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> it's a lot of emailing. It's, it's not, you don't, you don't get to get your hands dirty as much. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no hands dirty for me. More of just, you know, typing away at the computer, um, phone calls, emails. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, I'm sure when you, what you studied in school wasn't like, I like, you need to know how to communicate with a vendor who specializes in making MRI scans. You know what I'm saying? Like what, like what mm -hmm. do they teach you in school? Like to prepare for this role or is there not even a preparation stage in school? Like you just study all the theories and you know what I mean? And then they're like, all right, yeah. cool. like you have this degree. So now you figure it out. Right. Cause actually, you know, when I was in grad school for biomedical engineering, you know, the, the job description of clinical engineering and, you know, the roles and responsibilities weren't even, you know, known of until I <laughs> applied for the job. Um, yeah. Like you said, for, uh, you know, education, we're more, we're more taught to be more design oriented in terms of engineering. Mm. So, you know, prototyping, designing, actually physically working with, you know, medical devices and machines. So that's kind of how we're taught in school. And then, you know, once we're out, you know, that's, that's that. And, there's jobs just like the clinical engineer that don't require per se, you know, us having to be in that design oriented mind. Um, there's like office jobs as I am doing right now and more logistics. Um, so yeah, you, school, <laughs> school didn't prepare me for this, but you know, as yeah, with like, all jobs, you, you yeah, learn. <laughs> pretty much, man. Pretty much, man. School doesn't prepare you for shit. I don't even know why we're paying back these loans. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I think I think that's a whole nother conversation about how you know, it, like it's just dysfunctional the whole fucking uh, current school system is. You know, even for higher education. But um, so I, I guess the I guess my next question is for people that. Like the, the 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 opportunities that you get, like you know, how often am I gonna go use an MRI scan or like you know what I mean, like or mm -hmm. see a medical device and really have access to it? You know what I'm saying? Like obviously, it's a huge industry because uh, people's lives depend on it. But regular, it's not like some, like I'm not gonna go to a uh, I'm not gonna get excited like like when Steve Jobs drops a new iPhone or an iMac, <laughs> I mean, it's like, mm. it's a, it's a cultural moment, but I'm sure there are those type of industry specific moments when like a new medical device is like introduced into the market or is there mm. even something like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, do like medical engineers <laughs> geek out? Like, Oh shit. Like this company just mm -hmm. dropped this new fucking MRI situation is going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm mm -hmm. sure there's a lot of like these clinical, like, you know, these uh, engineering updates that these the machines need to go through. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Cause uh, technology obviously in, improves a lot. And um, yeah, if you could tell us a little bit about that, like, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Ahead, so, yeah. right. So I feel like, um, like you said, I guess people, individuals that are more in the healthcare space or, you know, keep up to date with it um, would probably know about, you know, the updates and innovations. Um, that's kind of part of my job too, working for the Navy as a clinical engineer is I always, you know, have to be up to date with the newest technologies, especially, you know, with what the vendors um, are putting out. For example, uh, two of the new um, innovations is artificial intelligence, as, as you've heard, and you know you've seen like in Google and um, and also virtual reality, which we've seen, you know, the Oculus and the video games, um, mm. st stuff like those are actually being implemented in the the healthcare space. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, um, and I've you know there's there's conferences. Um, one that I go to every year in Chicago that where vendors kind of release uh, their their new products and their new innovations. And the last one that I went to last year, the, the big buzzwords were artificial intelligence and virtual reality. And just, you know, these just trying to make, you know, the job for hospital personnel easier, more interactive, and they're also used for, you know, teaching students and training. So just, you know, imagine like a new surgeon that, you know, 
has to learn how to do a certain pro- protocol. You know, these vendors are have these virtual reality um, equipment that you could, they can use to simulate them actually doing the procedure with their equipment. It's mm. yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> I'm like geeky now, just talking about it, and I don't even use it, but. Um, Wow, that's amazing. So, I mean, shit, we're definitely going to go into a futuristic world. I mean, we already in a futuristic (laughs) world, right? Because 20 years ago, you know, we didn't even we didn't even think that we could be doing FaceTime, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, we're definitely in that type of a world. But um, no, that's that's incredible. So I think kind of tying it back into what's happening right now. uh, Mm. What what are like um, what was the Navy's response where like, I guess in particular in like the, uh, the, me- the Navy medical divisions respond during this time, mm-hmm. because the United States healthcare system, I mean, you know, you don't have to speak on, you don't have to speak your opinion on it. You could stay quiet on this, but I personally mm-hmm. think it's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> like, you know, how, how do you have one of the arguably the richest country in the world, but you know, there's a lack of ventilators, lack of hospital mm-hmm. beds, lack of doctors and medical professionals to tend to people. And not only that, like the healthcare system doesn't allow people to even afford these treatments and uh, access to these treatments when, you know, like, like I said, the military budget for the U.S. is like $9 billion. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, uh, you guys yeah. got like a huge um, medical division just procuring uh, new devices, you know what I'm saying? So- Mm-hmm. Uh, but with all that said, I mean, that's just my opinion, you know, so anybody in the CIA or any uh, government intelligence offices listening to this, you know what I'm saying? Don't blame Madison for this. Um, <laughs> like, tell me about, tell me a little bit about how, how the Na- Navy has been responding to this right now. Right, right. Um, so disclaimer, you know, I'm a government contractor, so I can't speak for the Navy, but, mm. you know, in in general, um, I like to say that the government is slow and that, that's, you know, a, a common stigma. And to some extent, there is some truth to that. Um, but with regards to the COVID-19 situation, you know, my what I'm doing with my work with the Navy, we're just trying to expedite the process, the, you know, the slow process that usually takes months or one to two years to procure equipment. We're trying to speed that up in a matter of just weeks and months. Like you said, you know, there's a growing need for ventilators, respirators. And then now, you know, with um, COVID-19 testing, we've noticed an increase in analyzers, um, tests. So the Navy, um, is trying to, you know, procure, procure those equipment as soon as possible. And, um, you know, we're, we're, try- we're trying our best to, to speed up the process just with the growing need and the urgency of the situation. Right, right. I mean, I understand with these big government contract um, procedures, you know, you guys got to go through hundreds and thousands of paperwork before shit, anything gets approved. So it usually takes a long time. But, you know, people are dying left and right right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the expedited process, like, has it been effective? Um, so I, I can't really, um, speak comment on, on how to gotcha. speak on right, that. Right. Yeah. Just cause in my part, I can't really see the, you know, the bigger picture, um, as how effective this is. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's always, there's, you know, still people that are, you know, waiting that can afford, the you know these equipment and face shields and um you know that's why i'm kind of working outside of my job as well just to accommodate for that you know um rather than just you know continuing my job having people you know wait for approval and funding um there's already people outside of the system outside of the government myself included that are you know working to already reach out and you know help those people Mm, mm. no that's that's very noble of you um speaking of uh you know you're doing the righteous thing um you are the chapter lead of the dmv of enable um if you could tell us a little bit about what is enable i mean that's spelled with e dash n-a-b-l-e you know what i'm saying so yeah um yeah what is what is the mission um you know yeah so just let the listeners know what it is about yeah, right. So um, E, Enable, or the, the full name is Enabling the Future. It's mm. a global volunteer community. And our main mission is to um, provide 3D printed upper limbs at no cost to people that need them. So, you know, be them kids, adults, um, ki- you know, 
kids that have grown with with limb differences or adults that may have lost them in accidents. We, you know, us volunteers, you know, work to provide the prosthetic limbs that they need. Wow. So what's (laughs) like the difference between like a 3D printed prosthetic limb compared to because when you, you know, like these prosthetic, like when I, when I think about like prosthetic limbs, like, you know, that's, that's like, wasn't to replace like a part of your leg. Right. Is, is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, yeah that's one of them. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I, I usually, um, you know, at least what I saw is like, um, how should I put it? Like they kind of look like these, uh, uh, it's like a metal structure. You know what I'm saying? It kind of looks mm-hmm. like, uh. When, when Terminator, when you when he gets exposed, like in the inside, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like a yeah, metal yeah. stick. Um, or like w- when you see athletes, it kind of has like that bouncy like curve. You know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of mm-hmm. how I usually um, associate prosthetic limbs with. Um, is there anything different, like technologically better uh, with 3D printed limbs? Mm-hmm. Right. So the the traditional, I guess, method is 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 very is a very long process, right? So you know mm. they have to like measure, do measurements, and then they have to do like a, a molding. Um, just kind of like imagine like putting your leg into like maybe two slates two slates of metal, um, for example, and then and then it takes you know months to to uh, develop to you know to fabricate that and then it goes back to the user and then it might not fit so then you have to rinse and repeat so that's the traditional yeah yeah and that sounds horrible especially if it's like a kid that is growing you know what i'm saying like they grow like every two weeks and by the time the shit gets back to you like you're probably like four inches taller you know what i mean like exactly so that's you know been you know the growing issue with with the traditional method and with 3d printing we can cut not only the cost that a regular you know factory fabricated prosthetic would cost maybe like a thousand three thousand we can cut that cost to you know maybe like five to twenty dollars uh you know cost of material and um shipping and and yeah like you said with with kids, they grow um, like every day and they're always changing. So with 3D printing, you could, you know, print one at this with these measurements. And then if they grew, you just adjust it on the computer and then reprint it. And then, you know, they have another one that fits them even better. So right. with 3D printing, you can really personalize um, the prosthetic, at, you know, with the exact measurements that they need. And you can also gotcha. pump it out faster. You know, you. So tell me, t- tell us a little bit more about Enable though. Like, you know, um, at least what I read is that you guys have like 200 chapters around the world and anyone in tr- interested in 3D can join. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's like a lot of volunteers. It's, it's mostly just volunteers, right? Just nobody's really getting paid for this initiative. Right, right. No, this is all volunteer work and it's, mm. it's you know, nonprofit. So we're not selling any of these. We're, you know, donating them to wow. to all the recipients yep <laughs> wow okay no that's amazing so um yeah tell us a little bit more about that like how did it come about and like how do you guys because you know these 3d printers are they are they affordable like and the material mm-hmm. to use um to create these uh prosthetic limbs or face shields or whatever you know whatever have you like are they cheap like is can people have access to this or are you guys just paying out of pocket to create these things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's see. So to to go back to where this all started with Enable, um, it, the founder actually was just, you know, your average hobbyist um, cosplayer. And they made this mechanical arm, or they 3D printed this mechanical arm for, for cosplay, for like steampunk uh, cosplay. Oh, and word. Yeah. Word, yeah, word, word. yeah. 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 So <laughs> it is a really fun origin story to hear that, you know, I actually got to hear the founder um, speak about the story. It was her and her husband that did that. And then, you know, someone with, with a kid, he was like three years old, reached out, you know, saying, Hey, maybe you can use this, uh, you know, to 3d print a prosthetic for my, my child. And that's kind of where it started and where it grew, um, from, you know, the couple hobbyists to all these volunteers, like you said, they're not just engineers or scientists, you know, we have, you know, students, we have parents, stay at home moms, um, 
we even have kids. The youngest one that I met is six years old. And he was actually the first one that got fitted for a 3D printed prosthetic arm. Wow. Um, yeah, and I actually got to meet him. He's, he's a really great kid. And he's, you know, designing all these like cool gadgety arms, you know, one that throws silly string like uh, Spider-Man or a bow and arrow. And then his mom, you know, she... She's just a stay-at-home mom. She has no, um, you know, STEM background, but you know, she's learned to to work a three D printer, and it's it's really easy, you know, with technology, with with YouTube videos. It, anybody can, you know, pull up a video and learn, you know, how to three D print and use a three D printer. Now that's amazing. And- so. Uh, it started off with a uh, cosplayer. It started off with a <laughs> cosplayer that made me just to, you know, show off maybe at like an anime convention or something. And, um, you know, and it became into a whole, uh, whole, you know, like global uh, community of people creating these 3D printed goods for people in need. Now, that's very noble. I think mm-hmm. there should be more highlights about this, uh, you know, community. That's great. So, um, so, like, with everything that's been happening with COVID-19, enable chapters around the U.S., um, including the one that you're involved in, um, mm-hmm. started printing face shields, uh, face masks, right? Face masks for doctors. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So, you know, once we saw the need, um, which is the shortage of uh, face shields and face masks, uh, mm. I... You know, I reached out to another Enable chapter in Maryland, um, Marymount Enable, and we've been coordinating uh, as well as coordinating with a few other Enable chapters on the West Coast to um, tackle the need for face shields. Um, So just there's actually, a you know, so there's face masks and face shields and um there are volunteers that are working to design and develop, you know, more robust face mask that are 3D printed. But mm. um, right there, there's there's a bit of more risk and liability when coming to face masks. And right. Um, right, right. And, you know, my chapter and the chapters I'm collaborating it with, you know, we want to focus more on face shields because we've, you know, we've seen that's the need that the medical professionals um, and doctors that we've been consulting need um, to supplement with, you know, their, their masks that they're already wearing. Right. Um, so, I mean, like at least what I've been seeing online, um, you know, these face shields is literally like a, a plate of plastic covering your face with like a little visor. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I mean, at least like when I think of 3D printing um, and, you know, part of my ignorance, because I look at 3D printing like when people make like these little like figurines, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, like that's kind of how I always uh, envision 3D printing to be. But how do you print plastic or create this entire shield of plastic with 3D printing? How does that work? Right. Um, so... It's, it's, it's very simple. Um, uh, so just to break it down, so you have the 3D printer um, and you can get one, you know, that's like $200 at most from, you know, oh, Amazon. Or, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, you can okay. even you, you can even get it from Amazon. I've even seen like my Alibaba, local. Alibaba, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Or even Sam's Club or Costco. I think they're starting to sell printers now. But um, mm. yeah, so you have the printer and then you need to get the plastic material or what we call filament and it kind of looks like a spool of thread um but it's like a spool of hard plastic Mm. and right right so a common one um is called pla uh which stands for polylactic acid and yeah that's you know been used for you know like you said like the little figurines and you know the face shields and um the even our prosthetics so it's a very um versatile filament um material so right so okay so you have your printer you have your material and now you have to have the blueprint for the object that you want to print so um so this blueprint like where do you source this blueprint was it like um was it like you know shared because i mean some of this i I don't know all the specifics of it like what's the patent law behind all of this but is it like free for use or like did the companies that created this is like i bet like here like 
go ahead and print these, you know, just for the for the betterment of humanity. You know what I mean? Like, how does that work? Right, right. So there's actually, if you, you know, there's a lot of files that are open source and free for the public to use. And, gotcha. you know, the ones, uh, the ones for the face shields that companies have made are, are all open source and they provide mm. the files. They also even provide instructions on how to assemble and how to, you know, the printer settings as well. So, you know, it's it's very nice because you know anybody that has a printer can just you know start printing these face shields for people that need them and you know they don't need to you know buy from a company and even companies are you know they are stopping production just so that they can start printing these face shields and face masks for people so it's wow. yeah it's it's a very huge no, global collaborative effort you know wow, we're sharing. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, like, some keywords that I've taken away is filament. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to hear a rapper saying that in the future sometime. A filament. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you got to get the uh, 3D printer. And then um, you got to get this open source file. And so you basically mm-hmm. just insert this open source file. And then the printer does, just does, does what it does. Is that how it mm-hmm. works? Yep, basically. Wow. Although, you know, it's pretty easy, you know, conceptually. Um, mm. Obviously, there's like troubleshooting, you know, that you have to do. But besides that, that's the gist of it. And um, yeah, people can already start picking up printer filaments and a file, just putting the USB and, in and there like, and then printing. And like what I saw from the plastic shields, though, it just looks like a clean plate of plastic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it looks... It looks mm-hmm. smooth, you know what I mean? Like, because when I usually think 3D printing, I'm thinking like all these threads and shapes and all of that. But uh, mm-hmm. the plastic just comes out like that. Like, there's no like molding process afterwards or none of none of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no molding processes. Um, there, you know, some people, you know, take the extra step to like add, you know, a a layer to coat it with to make it even more smoother. But um, yeah, the shields are already come out pretty nice. Got you. So, mm-hmm. um, and all of these shields that you guys have been pumping out, um, are they uh, NIH approved? Right. So we have been printing two models. The the one that we've been currently printing, the it's called the 3D Verkstand. It just recently has been NIH approved, and it was actually designed in Sweden. Fun fact. Oh wow! Of course, of course, <laughs> yeah. Swedish people. You know, they kill it with all the designs, yo. But uh, just for the <laughs> listeners that don't know what NIH stands for, uh, National Institution of Health. So tell us a little bit about like getting um approval from the NIH. Like, what does that mean? Um, how significant it is in the medical field, um, and so on <laughs> and so forth. Right. I think um just having you know the approval from the National Institute of Health just further validates you know the the use of uh these face shields because just in general with with 3d printing you know there's always speculations um and hesitations to be used especially you know when it comes to the healthcare and like medical use of them so you know working with medical professionals especially you know um with nih that you know just i guess is more reassurance not only to the public but to the medical professionals um using the equipment yeah, of course, of course, definitely, man, definitely. Even mm-hmm. though, like, I have like my doubts about some of these government alphabetized dogs try to like monopolize and trying to control the industry, but uh, you know, if it's NIH approved, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's definitely gonna give me assurance for sure. Um, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about like where are these face shields going to right now? Like, um, how many have you been able to send out? Um, you know, who are some like notable names that some of our listeners might be significant i mean uh, aware of Mm -hmm. so the recipients um are a range of people so we have hospital personnel including doctors and nurses we've sent to police officers grocery store workers and um just to name you know a notable hospital that we um sent several hundred face shields um the elm Elmhurst Hospital in New York, as you know, Queens represent. You know what I'm saying? Nah, like mm-hmm. I, I grew up in that area, so um, I'm very familiar with what's been happening. You know, like some of my homies actually dropped off. Um, you know those uh, uh those uh, face masks. They've been yeah. uh, not face shields, but they they dropped it off, and um, some of the uh, I think some of the higher ups actually came down to greet them, and they told them that on average there's about 25 people passing away because of the COVID 19 situation, and they're just trucks 
of corpses that are being stacked up right now. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't have a place to bury them and it's difficult to process this so, you know, in an urgent manner. So, um, mm-hmm. nah, that's amazing that you were, you, you were able to donate face shows to Elmer's Hospital. Like, um, how, how did you get in touch with them um, and so yeah. on? Right. Yeah. So my uh, collaborator from the other enabled chapter, he had a point of contact from the Rockville, Maryland area, whose sister was is a nurse actually at Elmhurst Hospital. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of connections uh, and we were able to, you know. Is she, is she Filipino? Um, I am not sure. Okay, uh, gotcha. I was about to make like yeah. a, a, a side, side comment about Filipino nurses <laughs> holding it down in the United States, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I will say we, I've recently gotten a couple of requests from my Filipino aunties who are nurses that work at hospitals um, in the DMV area. So we're also currently working on <laughs> helping them out. <laughs> so that's there's good. a lot of them mm-hmm. no, that's amazing but, man you know shout out to all the filipino nurses that's been holding us down for the last 30 years you know 30 40 <laughs> yeah. years you know yeah no nah, that's um, big though but yeah so, so um, oh sorry no nah, go ahead please please go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say um to give you like a number of how many shields that we've uh, shipped so far, I just kind of checked our Excel sheet and we've shipped about 1,156 shields so far. That's crazy. <laughs> and how long have you yeah. guys been um, working, working these machines like per, for the past month, like ever since like this outbreak, um, well, this pandemic really kind of um, became nationally known in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. We've um, started, you know, towards the end of March when it really started to to be clear that this was, you know, a crisis and, you know, we needed to act and do something as a 3D printing community. So yeah, since, since March, we've, we've been printing and my printers have been printing day and night just to, you know, make sure there's enough, you know, when we have a need. Wow. And do these, uh, you said 1,500? Yeah, 1,156 and growing. <laughs> 156 and growing. Nah, that's amazing, man. God bless you and your entire team for holding us down in these times, you know? So tell us a little bit about um, how people outside of your immediate community can now support uh, this initiative that you guys are doing that is so noble. In the beginning of this, um, I started a GoFundMe campaign. Mm. Um and I, I I can share you the link or if you have a link oh, already. Oh, no, please. Um, no, nah, like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me shout out the GoFundMe. <laughs> How can people fi- uh, find find you guys on GoFundMe? Talk to us. Right, right. Um, let me see. It's So it's called, uh, let me see. All right, I got it in front of me right now. It's Enable okay. <laughs> Combat Against the Coronavirus. It's E-N-A-B-L-E combat against the coronavirus you know what i'm saying so so far Mm -hmm. the goal is to raise fifteen thousand dollars and so far you guys have raised thirteen eight hundred and fifty five thus far so you guys Mm -hmm. have almost reached your goal um but um you know if you could continue you know anybody who's listening to this right now i don't know when this recording is going to come out um it's probably it's really up to michael but hopefully you guys, um, you know, like after you guys reach this goal and maybe if you guys do another round or maybe increase the number, uh, hopefully this link is still alive and well. And, um, you know, the listeners who are tuning in, they could chime in like a couple dollars here and there, a couple hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars, you know, or whatever you mm-hmm. can do to support this community of, um, you know, in enable uh, participants who are doctors, uh, medical engineers, um, just community activists, uh, hobbyists, uh, holding it down and creating these face masks that are directly going to hospitals that are in need, you know, because what a lot of people I feel like they don't understand right now is that, yeah, it's going crazy right now in New York City, but it's only kind of going to start popping up in, you know, smaller cities across the country. So um, I think this bout against this COVID-19 situation unfortunately is it's going to be ongoing for a while right i mean is is that kind of what you're anticipating as well yeah yeah i just you know how it's progressing now and you know in the dmv area it's 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 getting worse you know Mm. it's going from you know eleven thousand and counting cases so i see that it might even go through the summer you know with how it's progressing (sighs) man yeah. As fortunate as that sounds, but you know, we'll just keep on going as as long as we can, you know, with the For support sure. 
um, of our donors and just like our volunteers. Um, you know, we're, we've gotten more 3D printers just so that we can print even more to, mm. to meet the need. Um, and we're shipping them out as fast as we can. So uh, yeah, all the, you know, any support we appreciate, even just spreading, you know, the awareness so that, you know, hospitals or other essential personnel that need help can, you know, find us and we can, we can um, connect with them and help them out. That's righteous. That's righteous. Now, so, I mean, you guys are essentially creating these 3D masks and just giving these out, you know what I'm saying, for people in need mm -hmm. right now. And you guys are not making a dime from this. If anything, you guys are losing money. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we live in a capitalistic society where everything is kind of driven by money. Um, and all these like major banks and these airlines are probably going to get bailed out and all of that with the stimulus and all that. Um, mm -hmm. But I have a feeling that the, because this is so effective, it's disrupting the healthcare industry, like the health medical equipment industry. And I'm sure a lot of people um, are not going to be happy about that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, uh, it's going to it's going to affect their pockets. So tell us a little bit about like how, you know, this cost, uh, this cost effective way of making prosthetics um, is kind of, you know, not really uh, looking, not really being perceived with uh, with a with a positive glance by certain people. Right, right. Because um, in general, we've you know given the crisis and the desperate need for um, face shields and face masks. It's you know it's starting to become more towards like a positive view. But there are still a couple you know uh, doctors or or you know professionals that's kind of question, you know, the, the validity of, you know, these 3d printed, um, medical, medical parts. Right. Um, right. you know, they, it's something that, you know, they weren't traditionally, um, educated about and the use and, you know, there's, even though there's already, you know, constant studies and, um, 3d printing is already, you know, in the works of, of the healthcare system. Um, I think recently, actually, in January, the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration, um, they, what was it? Uh, they approved, um, they actually approved 3D printed uh, airway stents for people. So, what is that? Uh, airway what? Oh, sorry. Airway stents. So, <clears throat> So it's to help um, people with breathing disorders or, or tumors in the lungs. Um, mm. It's just to be in place to help them breathe. Um, oh, shit. So this is like going into your body? Yeah, yeah. So, Holy yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> so, like, now we're going to have 3D print, printed airway stents. Like, that's actually going to uh, uh, directly help people to breathe better. Exactly, yeah. And, you that's know, amazing. they can... Right, right. So it's already starting to disrupt, um, you know, the healthcare field. Um, I can't speak, at, you know, as a medical professional on, you know, you know how that is um, perceived or how that changes right. their, you know, day to day workflow. But um, it, it's happening, and I, I think more, you know, in a positive, a positive pathway. Yeah, not nah, totally. I mean, listen, man, like any, and listen, I mean, sorry for calling you man. That's just kind of like a colloquial <laughs> thing. Um, but, you know, like, um, I feel like people hate what they don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they hate what they can't conquer. And um, if, if they can't have a direct say in it, they're going to be skeptical about it for a while. And it usually takes time when something disrupts for, for new things to be accepted. You know what I'm saying? So, and, you know, some of these medical professionals, they probably getting paid by think tanks and lobbyists, you know what I'm saying? So they're getting paid to say certain things. You know what I mean? I know how y'all do, you know what I'm saying? Getting your pockets rich and all of that. So, uh, you know, all these motherfucking pundits that was on CNN telling people, oh, you don't need to wear a mask. Fuck out of here, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, like, no. <laughs> people dying out here, man. Asian people, Asian people in China and Korea been wearing masks, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you mm -hmm. see the numbers not going crazy over there. So, yeah. So, but uh, w with all that said, um, I feel like what you're doing is very noble. Um, and uh, this 3D printing industry seems like it's uh, it's a growing field. And, uh, you know, for people that are not familiar, though, like can obviously between you and I, like I don't you obviously know this way more than I do. So if you could just kind of like school us on like 
3D printing a little bit more. Just like, I mean, it's been around for a while and it's been gaining more mainstream traction lately. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to be much more mass? Like, as, you know, what are some companies that we should look into? Who are like the key players that we should be aware of? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Because um, just not just in the, the healthcare field, 3D printing, you know, is used for a plethora of or a plethora of, <laughs> of um, other industries, um, including, you know, airplanes, cars, machine parts are being 3D printed. Mm. Um, I know in... Um, I think NASA, yeah, they they have 3D printers in their um, spaceships so that they, you know, in case they need parts and they're, you know, out in space, they can 3D print, you know, a bolt or a plate, whatever they need. Um, and then there's, you know, there's 3D printing that's also going to be in the food industry. There's, you can 3D print chocolate. <laughs> um, Wait, what? You can 3- Holy <laughs> yeah. shit. Damn. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> Yo. Um, so yeah, they're they're everywhere. I actually got to see um, it in person in one of the three printing conventions. There, there is a young student that um, calibrated a printer to print chocolate, and he printed a mini Eiffel Tower of chocolate. Um, what? <laughs> Damn, that's crazy, man. Yo, Ma's family. You know what I'm saying? The ones, the, the, you know, the Ma's family that owns the uh, chocolate empire. You know what I'm saying? Like the Hershey's family that owned the chocolate mm-hmm. empire. I, I, if, if y'all haven't already invested in this industry, make sure y'all do, man. That's, that's some wild shit. That sounds pretty crazy. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's wild. Yeah. You got to yeah, be able and, to do all of that. Yeah. And even um, in the fashion industry, there are people that have 3D printed um, on fabric and 3D printed shoes, like fashionable shoes. Mm. Um, so it's, so it's going to be a major disruptor <laughs> in our industry overall. Yeah. Overall, I, I see that, you know, in the foreseeable future, a 3D printer is just going to be like, you know, our laptop, our inter, you know, our internet, our cell phone. I feel like we're all going to have, you know, our own 3D printer in our home, you know, where we work. Um, of that's course. kind of how I see 3D printing, you know, progressing in the, in the far future. In the future. Even wow, in the near wow. future. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> in, the, in the very near future, because, you know, we didn't even think that, okay, like, I mean, yo, I bought CDs to listen to music <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, as a kid. And that was that was less than 20 years ago. I was still buying CDs, you know, and, you know, now like less than 10 years ago, I was still downloading music. You know what I mean? Now we're just streaming mm-hmm. everything. So um, this is crazy that uh, everything is able to move so quickly. So who are some like players that people should be aware of? Like, because I feel like there's it's, it's always more easy for people to understand when they put a face or a name behind something like who are who's like the nike of the 3d printing industry you know what i'm saying like who's the hershey's who's the heinz ketchup you know what i mean of the 3d printing industry i think in terms of like you know a well-known you know machine is um the ultimaker ultimaker um makes 3d printers that you know have been that are used worldwide that I use actually in school. Um, they're um, a company that would, you know, is talked or, and used in the 3d printing community. Um, I, I'm actually, Oh, I um, even HP, you know, the HP printer mm. um, company. I, I believe they have their own uh, 3d, 3D printer. Printing yeah, as well. Yes, yes. Because I remember um, in you know the conference I went to, there was a three D printing section, and I saw that HP um, is having their own line of three D printers. So it's it's interesting, you know, just like um, for example, like GE, you know the yeah, General the, Electric. Uh, General Electric, you know, in our common house appliances, they also have their vision for um, healthcare medical devices and MRI scanners. So that's of kind course, of, of course. I, you know, so there are, there are, you know, big, big na- you know, names that we're all familiar with in other um, industries that are also in the, you know, going into the 3D space. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Cause it's such a lucrative industry now, especially how directly is affecting people's lives. I'm sure more and more people are going to try to jump into this industry. 
So right. that, that's fascinating to hear. Like, um, you know, you're kind of ahead of the curve. Like, shit, I didn't even know what an <laughs> Ultimaker was before I spoke to you. Now I do. And Ultimaker might be the new Hewlett Pecker. You know what I'm saying? Like, we probably don't even need printers at the crib. We're just going to get a bunch of Ultimakers. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating stuff. So, uh, but with that said, though, um, you know, I, I know it's a Sunday. I know it's Easter. You're Filipino, so I'm assuming you're Christian. Maybe you're not. <laughs> Um, but, uh, are you, are you though? Um, yeah, so I was born and raised Christian Catholic. Um, of course, of course. <laughs> as yeah. with all Filipinos, but <laughs> don't really practice it as much. Got you, got um, you. I mean, today is Easter though. I'm not Christian, but you know, shit, like shout out to Jesus, you know what I mean? Yes. For uh, coming <laughs> yes, back to, yes. uh, coming back to the essence, you know, coming back to the present world and all that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with that said, um, I think everything that you've, you're doing what the, uh, the enable community doing is very noble, much love, much respect. Thank you for, um, highlighting, um, what the, uh, clinical engineer do. Um, I think, I think just to kind of like, um, add on to, uh, what we usually do at 699 is that, uh, we, uh, always highlight, um, individuals and in specific professions. And we always like to ask, yo, like, what's the bag looking like though? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> what's like the, uh, ballpark? Like if, if I'm a medical engineer, what can I expect as my, um, um, entry, entry level salary? Right, right. So, um, I can't give you specifics, but I'll give you a range. So you can expect about 75 to a hundred K. Ooh, salary straight for off, a right, out, right out of college yeah 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 all right that's pretty yeah. solid shit it's pretty solid yeah yeah no that's definitely that's definitely dope man i mean there's a reason why everybody tell you know all our parents tell us like oh you got to be an engineer man that's why you know what i'm saying straight off the bat mm-hmm. you're making 75 to 100k you know what i mean so mm-hmm. that's, that's 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 a righteous figure you know you could put a down payment on a house right away so uh but um, now, nah, so with that said, though, um, we also like to ask uh, all of our uh, guests uh, two questions. Um, that's kind of our go to six ninety nine per pound uh, gems. So first question is, what is the most significant relationship in your life? Um, I would say my most significant relationship would be with my father. Mm. Um, yeah, I think he's, you know, sort of the reason I got to this point and to this, you know, mindset of, of growing and innovating and becoming an engineer and kind of stepping out of the, the normal nurse or doctor, um, position that, you know, Filipinos are usually known for, um, right. you know, he, he works as, you know, a sci- you know, he's a director, um, in a pharmaceutical company and he, um, always has a passion to learn, to grow. He'll, he'll learn different languages. He always wants to keep up to date with, you know, what's in the science community. And, you know, even now, you know, he's always, you know, growing and learning. And, you know, I think that was, you know, instilled in me very young and mm. that's kind of helped me mold you know who i am as a person as an engineer of course. um of course to this nah, day that's so <laughs> that's dope yeah. that's dope yeah definitely i mean having like a righteous parental figure is, is gonna affect who we are how we think how we how we approach life um so i mean on that note though like is there uh is there a personal mantra that's that's our second question what is what is your personal mantra mm-hmm. um so it's it's kind of cheesy but um my personal mantra is grow <laughs> grow through what you go through grow. Mm, okay i never heard that um, before grow through oh, what you go through okay tell tell me a little yeah. bit about that yeah, so um, not to go, you know, into the nitty gritty details of my personal life, but, you know, um, just, you know, as an Asian Amer- American, just trying to, you know, live up to, to standards, you know, to, to being in the STEM field and just, you know, finding myself as a person and how I want to contribute um, to society. You know, it was just, you know, there are tough times, you know, going through college and then, you know, going through a series of jobs that, you know, I had to, you know, deal with um, negative stigmas. And, you know, despite those, those negative moments, you know, I always try to find, you know, or, you know, a way to, to grow from it. 
And mm. I think just keeping that mentality of, you know, learning from my mistakes, learning from, you know, difficult times and just growing and, and continue improving, you know, I can reach a better, you know, a better sense of self for me and just, you know, be able to contribute more positively um, in society. Gotcha, <laughs> if that makes gotcha. sense. You know, that's righteous. Nah, for sure. <laughs> Everything makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. Grow through what you go through. You know what I'm saying? Um, nah, it's just, your experiences essentially are stepping stones or uh, elements that kind of create you who you are as a, as a person. So, uh, nah, that's that's a righteous statement from uh, Ms. Madison. On that note, um, is there anything else that you would like to add before um, you know we let you go and go about your day? Um, I just, you know, everyone stay safe, stay healthy. I know it, you know, seems scary, but, you know, just like myself and the essential personnel, we're all, you know, working to, to help each other out. So just, you know, keeping the positivity throughout, throughout all of this. Um, Word, no doubt, no doubt. Got you. <laughs> Much love. Appreciate you, Madison, for, uh, you know, sharing all this gem. I mean, I would like to, again, plug Enable has a goat for me called, uh, uh, Shit. Let me let me get let me get the name again. Enable combat against the coronavirus. So um, the link is still alive. At the time of this recording, um, they're a little shy of fourteen thousand um, dollars. They have raised. Their goal is to raise fifteen thousand dollars. Hopefully, by the time this recording comes out, it's still ongoing, um, and they could continuously raise money, create face shields for medical professionals that are holding it down at the front lines. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a very noble cause that they're doing. So much love to Madison and the entire, excuse me, and the entire Enable community. Uh, but yeah, much love to everybody for tuning in. Um, you can remember, you could always stream this podcast episode on all major streaming platforms. If you want to show some love, hit the subscribe button right now. Tell a friend to tell a friend, each one teach one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, most importantly, though, rate and share this podcast with your colleague with your enemies, with your friends, with your comrades, with your Zoom chat meeting uh, attendees. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, man. So follow us at 699 per pound on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter for the latest. Don't forget, you can support us monetarily now by buying me and Joe, by me and JoJo a $3 coffee at coffee.com slash 699 per pound. We're setting up a monthly donation at anchor.fm slash 699 per pound slash support. Saying if you're looking for the URL, just make sure to Google it. Alright? Peace, peace, peace. Hey yo, it's 699 per pound. Podcast.